When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Reddit Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast presented by CelticsLife.com. My name is Ben Vallis. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. We've got plenty to get to today. The fallout from the Lakers game, Campbell Walker, do we keep him? Do we trade him? What's his trade value? Is everyone overreacting? Plus, more trade rumors. JJ Redick is reportedly available. Aaron Gordon has an ankle injury. Are the Magic ready to blow it up? So much to get to. Joining me for all of that and more, Larbird33. Welcome back, sir. How's it going? Good. Did you buy some uh, GameStop out there? Or you're not allowed to do that in Australia. <laughs> no, I, 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 uh, I do have shares on NASDAQ, but I, I live under a freaking rock apparently and just completely missed out. And now I'm just kind of watching it, you know, from afar to see how it's all going. What, what about you? Oh, you might have been better, better off sitting it out. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm either way up or way down, depending, depending on your perspective. I bought it 90 and it's doubled, but it was up like 4x and by tomorrow it'll probably be all gone. So it's fun though. Interesting. Definitely educational. <laughs> at least you're at the party, right? And no one ever right. leaves the party feeling good. <laughs> yep. You feel good while you're at the party. That's, that's what happens. So I'm happy for you. <laughs> um, now, look, before, before we get into it, well, we are doing a jersey giveaway over on our Twitter page, at Celtic Reddit Pod. So head over there, check it out. We're giving away a Jalen Brown Swingman jersey. International entries are welcome, and we'll announce the winner in a little under two days' time, about 36 hours. Uh, okay. you're, so, you're so generous. You're so generous, Ben. Oh, yeah. It's, Just it's so you know, ben, people, right before right? this, right before <laughs> this, Ben told me that he was sending me a care package from Australia, and I was like, that's, wow, what a, what a nice guy. <laughs> we have to wait and see what's uh what's included in that care package but it is not a Jalen brown jersey so if you'd like a Jalen brown jersey lovebird feel free to enter the, the competition uh, i think I'm, I'm i think i'm excluded but i did say as a comment um that I'm, I'm willing to give away a pair of my my ball handle gloves which are of course my used grocery bags so anyone who wants a pair of those that's right sign up <laughs> <laughs> you want to improve your handle go check it out now let's let's start with the Lakers game real quick. It's kind of old news already. A couple of days ago now, so we won't spend too much time on it. But just in general, La Bird, how'd you feel walking away from this one? Uh, well, walking away from it, I, I, I it was mixed feelings because mostly because I was terrified about Marcus Smart. So, but yeah. overall, I mean, overall, just looking at the game for what it was, I, it's pretty good. Like you know, we we lost by one point to the defending champions. I, I'd love to beat the Lakers, of course, but they are the defending champions and they are one of the top records in the NBA. And we played them well with Kemba, you know, going one for 12 in the game. 
So I, th- I felt pretty good about it. Both Tatum and Brown played awesome. Um, so overall, you know, we had good performances from Robert Williams in that game. And, um, you know, uh, there was, you know, honestly, we would have won that game if it hadn't been for, I think, Tyson, Time Lord, giving them four points on putback tips. <laughs> we, yeah. What so, are the odds? Right, <laughs> honestly, so, what are the odds? Someone tell us. Yeah, that was, that's a big four point swing right there. So we would have <laughs> kicked their ass, right? But overall, yeah. I felt good about it. I know a lot of people, you know, we, we've lost some games recently. Uh, we're only 10 and 8, but I still pre- feel very positive. We have our two foundational superstars. They played great in that game, and now it's just about figuring out the rest of the roster. Yeah, that that's the thing, like, and something that I, I think most people should, like, sort of sit back and feel happy and satisfied about is that the Jays, regardless of anything else, regardless of Kemba, definitely regardless of, of Jeff Teague, Marcus Smart's injury, the Jays are fucking awesome. They're so good. Like, they're both two incredible players really coming into their own. They're so young. I'm not saying anything that nobody doesn't already know, but they 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 really really are so awesome and I think what is so compelling about that is that they kind of continue to exceed expectations and we we sort of set a new ceiling for each of them at the beginning of each season and in their young careers so far and that they continue to bust through that ceiling. So that's what's so exciting about them. They actually scored each of them 6 points against or on Anthony Davis at 75% shooting. Uh, while guarded by, you know, the, the Lakers' best defender in Anthony Davis. So they each, you know, took it to, to AD a few times, scored on him at a high efficiency. So that's that's really promising. And you mentioned the the two tip-ins there, the offensive <laughs> rebound tip-ins. User J-Smart Time Walker posted to Celtics Reddit a slow-mo clip of what was clearly a LeBron James goaltend on Jalen Brown in the second half, which was called a block. Um, so you add it to the, the sort of the points erroneously awarded to the Lakers. You can add that on there as well. So should have won this game. Yeah, Ben, you, you know my feelings on um, blaming refs. I, I got in, I got in some trouble on on Reddit in a <laughs> in a recent game where everyone was blaming the refs. I, I I'm kind of like morally opposed to blaming the refs. I know that they make bad calls, but I feel like they go both ways. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to necessarily blame that play but the ones where we tipped in the ball for sure that that was an obvious four you know eight point swing right there where we tipped it in accidentally so we can count those unbelievable uh but yeah main takeaway Jalen brown jason tatum are both awesome 58 points between them they both shot over 65 percent in this game which is insane i feel like Jalen brown was getting off to a slow start in that game as well and i was kind of thinking to myself all right like Jalen's due for a, a low efficiency game but then he just apparently made like all of the second half of his shots there. So um, amazing. Have we talked about this yet? About who, I saw a post where they were asking, which duo in the NBA would you want to build around right now? Like, who would you want long term? And, you know, some people were like, well, Luca Porzingis has kind of slipped at this point and there's concerns about his health. So it's not even Luca and Porzingis anymore. It might actually be Tatum and Brown. And I, you know, I think if you're looking at right now, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, hard to beat that duo. But if you're talking about age and over the next, like, you know, 10 plus years, I don't know if there's any duo in the NBA I'd rather have. Like that alone is just like, it's a, it's amazing to have those two. Is there anyone that you think can, competes with them as a potential long-term duo that you'd prefer? You, you don't think Westbrook and Beal, you know, hold up to, <laughs> <laughs> to the Jays there? No, no, I, I think you're right. I mean, obviously very biased Celtics fans here you know, we're going to lean in the direction of our guys, but, you know, top of my head, I, I can't think of a duo, maybe like Jokic and Murray, 
but that's mainly because of Jokic. Like, I mm-hmm. could take it or leave it as far as Murray is concerned, and don't let my Nuggets friend hear, hear me say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think as far as a, a duo, they've got everything, and, and wings are so, like, uh, so vital in an NBA offense at the moment. I, 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 don't, I can't right. think of another wing duo to build around. So, yeah, so you obviously agree with that, Lubbard? Yeah, not to sound like, you know, complete homer, homers in this, but yeah, I <laughs> yeah, do. I think yeah. I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm usually pretty, if anyone's tuning in for the first time because they want to get a free jersey and they're just seeing what this is all about, <laughs> I'm usually a lot more level-headed than this. Like, I, I, you know, I feel like I take the scowl approach to a certain extent and try to be both sides and, and not overly biased. But really, I don't know if there's any duo I'd rather have long-term than Brown and Tatum. So, yeah. I mean, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's a great time to be a Celtic fan for sure. Yeah, love is, love is blind. Um, John Corrales, uh, he tweeted out today, so far this season, the duo of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have scored 41.6% of Boston's points. That's second only to Lillard and McCollum in Portland, who have scored 42.5% of their team's points. Part of that is because the Jays are really good, but part of that is that not many others are scoring. So... I want to get to the Kemba stuff later in the podcast. So, if we can, if we can filter the Kemba stuff out for now, that'd be great. But thoughts on, you know, I guess the bench and the rest of the team in, in this game and, and perhaps the Spurs game as well, Robert. Yeah, I mean, we're we're still waiting for the rest of the roster to kind of assert itself and cement itself. Um, there, you know, our core lineup, and there are some contenders that I think are moving up the ranks, and one of them is Peyton Pritchard. I mean, we've talked about him a lot in previous podcasts. He's averaging around eight points, but in 20 minutes, like maybe, and, uh, you know, maybe he grows into a much larger role. Uh, Marcus Smart's still Marcus Smart. He's not the most efficient uh, scorer, but he's averaging 13 points. And then Tice is there now averaging around 10. So we do have guys who have solid roles. Robert Williams is moving up as well. I'd love to see him get more minutes because he's putting up amazing stats and he seems to be from the eye test really great in, uh, you know, 15 minutes a game. So I think all those guys are, are all really essential next to Brown and Tatum. And of course, we'll talk about Kemba down the line. But yeah, I mean, it does it in a little way kind of reminds me of when we had, uh, well, it's like a much, much greater version of Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker. I mean, you have a, an offense built around two all-NBA players. I mean, that was two all-stars. But yeah, I mean, that's what we're looking at right now. We're, I do think that Kemba's probably going to step into that. <laughs> we have to assume he's going to step into that third star role. but. I got, I talked about, I mean, I, I, maybe I'm rambling a little bit about this, but I, I've talked about this a couple of years ago a lot where it was, we had like, we had like 10 guys in our, well, actually it was like 11 guys on our roster that could be considered starter level players. You look at that roster, pretty much everyone, one through 11 is now an NBA starter. And you would think that would work, but it didn't because you had all these guys that wanted to ball, all these guys that wanted to score. And obviously it caused chemistry issues. Obviously it was a too many, you know, too many mouse syndrome, which is what I keep calling it, uh, where it's hard for anyone to get in a rhythm. It's hard for them to get comfortable. So then that, last year we had four guys, we had four, you know, great all-star level players. And even that it partially worked because every other game, someone was hurt. You never had all four of them on the court for the most part. It was like Hayward's out, Brown's out. Kemba's out. He only had three. I do think that in an ideal situation, balancing a three-man offense, a three-core guy offense, is the way to go. And I like I looked at research of this of just looking at pretty much every champion over the past like forty years, and almost all of them have been built around only two, maybe three guys that average 
10 plus shot attempts. So it's really rare to have share to wealth type op- offenses. I know we love the idea of kind of like the, the share to wealth, you know, every, you know, kumbaya and everyone's just going to, you yeah. know, participate. But really it's, that's, that's not ever been a key to a success in the NBA. It's always been a superstar dominated uh, league where you have two or three guys. So right now, long way of saying, I'm not totally concerned because I do think we have the two most important pieces, which is our, our two all-star, maybe all NBA level guys. And then it's just about how do you fill out the rest of that roster? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and we are going to get to the rest of that roster, namely Kemba and moves available because this is a, a the goalposts are constantly moving as far as what we can do with the TPE and who's available and what teams will be willing to to dance with Danny Ainge in that sense. But in the meantime, in terms of what we have, you mentioned Tyson Williams and, and their impact. Um, and I guess they're a known commodity and there's not as much mystique around what they are and, and what they will be for the team. And user Mr. Fallout Boy writes, I think we found our two big man setup. Tyson Williams played great together, referring to the Lakers game. And like Tyson's clearly our best big. I think we're it's safe to say and, and Rob Williams bests him in a few categories, but but overall I think Danny T uh is the man. And like the Lakers, for example, only out rebounded us by three boards in that game, which when you consider their size and the dominance of Anthony Davis is pretty incredible when you consider the fact that Tyus got most of the, the center minutes there. And the two big lineup of Tyson Time Lord was actually really good and in Corrales's podcast that he put out today I highly recommend checking that out because he did a huge deep dive on on um, like stats.nba.com and cleaning the glass just like a, a quarterly report of the Celtics so far this year he, he talked about the reason that Jeff Teague's on off numbers are so good this year and it's because apparently he plays the majority of his minutes with both Tatum and Time Lord who are by far our best two-man lineup they're actually a plus 32 uh, for this season and, and Jeff Teague numbers wise is the beneficiary of, of that combination you had Tyson there as well and I don't know I almost feel bad for, for Tristan Thompson like he's almost <laughs> irrelevant on this team at, at this point but um, we, I know we talked about this last week La Bird but you know have your thoughts changed or solidified at all as far as as Danny, Danny T and his his role on the team yeah I mean definitely I think yeah, I think my my opinion's evolving on it. I think earlier in in a season, it was it seemed to me that Thompson was going to be our starter big for better or worse, and that Robert Williams was moving up the ranks, and that that would kind of make um, Daniel Tice the third guy. And it wasn't that Tice was even playing poorly; it was just that it seemed like uh, if we were going to move one of them, considering he was on the final year of his contract, it seemed like he might end up being the the chip that we would use to acquire someone. You know, maybe we keep all three of these guys all year. That's that's totally possible. But I would definitely say that at this point, I've I've flipped those. I, I do think that Thompson has sunk down that rotation. Um, he's available to be traded apparently as of the fifth, and you that's know right. he makes about nine million this year. Next year, he's still a valuable piece for teams. I know we're down on him, but he's still a known commodity around the league, and he still can do things that are positive. You know, good rebounder, solid defender. Um, he should have a value as a, 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 you know, a piece in a trade. And that's something that like, I keep thinking about, you know, as we think about, um, the next month or so leading into the trade deadline, I'm at the opinion now of, uh, of the opinion now that maybe we do keep Tice and Thompson's the one that we end up moving, if any, 
but yeah, I, I guess it's a long way of saying that I, I do think that I have Tice moved. I have those two kind of those guys flipped. I still am really high on on Time Lord, honestly, and I know that's that's kind of like a meme type thing because it's it's almost like fans are reluctant to accept that he's a genuine player and he's not getting the minutes to put up those kind of stats. But every time I see him, I'm like, man, he really makes an impact on both ends. He really is a legit player right now. And if if you were to tell me at the end of the year he's our starting big and both Tice and Time uh, Tice and Thompson aren't starting. It wouldn't sh- that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, well, they're clearly making Jeff T look very good just by being on the court with him at the same time. Him, him and uh, Time Lord and Tatum, that is. Uh, it's incredible. Like, those two on the court together, like, the, the numbers don't lie there. So, uh, I guess also, as far as the Lakers game, four of our best five lineups in terms of net rating in that game had both Tice and Time Lord on the court at the same time. So, like, Perhaps that's the the double big lineup reinvented a little bit, and you know with, with Tristan Thompson, yeah, like he's got a very tradable contract. Um, I guess you definitely have to factor in the idea that he has played such little basketball overall, and compared to maybe the rest of the guys on the team in the past twelve months or so, maybe he needs more time to to round into form there. But he certainly you know hasn't been as advertised, and therefore at nine mil per year or, or whatever he's at, like he's he's definitely. You know, in the top one or two players in terms of like, let's fucking trade this guy. So right. we'll see. Um, what else we got here? The the Tatum diving out of bounds behind the back, <laughs> low pass to a up the court to a Time Lord jam, like almost on a, a trailing Anthony Davis. Where does that rank for you in terms of like Jason Tatum's all time plays so far in his young career? It's right up there. Uh, you know, the I don't know if we'll ever top the booming. <laughs> the booming. <laughs> yeah, come on, that was that was incredible. Uh, and then you know he he's had a couple game winners, but as far as just a, a play in the middle of the game, uh, it was that was pretty awesome. The whole great sequence. It's definitely up there. Off the top of my head, I can't uh, you know remember specifically what head rank above it, but it's it's definitely one of the best ones we've seen of him. It was awesome. Yeah, I think it, I think it's play number two. You know, ranking is obviously a very very short career so far. He's still so young, but the dunk on LeBron in Game Seven, the booming as you call it, that's that's definitely play number one. That might remain the the leading play in his career for the entirety of his career. Um, I've got this this pass falling out of bounds, pass at at number two, and then maybe the step back on Paul George in LA last year as as number three because the the rest of the like the grand tatum moments they're more like sequence based it's more you know if you think about the games against the lakers last year in la there was a sequence where tatum took it to to anthony davis you know on a number of sequential possessions and that was great but it's not it's not really like a classified as a moment so to speak so right in, in the ranking of moments i think this this ranks at number two but you know the celtics fans like sit back where you know we've got at least you know five or so years of of tater moments to come so it'll be interesting to revisit this this ranking system as time def- goes on that's definitely a tippy top and then all the way on the bottom is probably when he got blocked by bam yeah yeah and meanwhile it's probably number one for bam but um, oh, apparently they have a poster of it <laughs> i read they had a poster of it that yeah they have a son of a bitches but i read yes. that too that makes me <laughs> i don't know why um, i felt the need to bring that up but i'm gonna sip on my whiskey right I now felt like actually, we were being too positive man we we're being too positive let's talk about how you got blocked <laughs> pivotal moment no that's good yeah. you gotta you gotta bring us back down to earth and uh we'll continue in that direction by talking about the the marcus smart injury fortunately mm-hmm. 
strained calf, could have been an Achilles, but it turns out his Achilles heel is actually his calf muscle. He's out for two-ish weeks, maybe th- three weeks. Um, but a user, uh, I'm going to fail here by not have bringing up this post uh, in advance. Uh, I've got it right here. The starting lineup with Marcus Smart out. This is posted by user RizQZ1. Okay, guys, with Smart missing two weeks, who do you think will be starting? Who do you think we will be starting? Will the double big start again or will Grant slash Semi be thrown in with Jemba and Tice? I think he means Kemba and Tice. Uh, and a couple of asterisks here. Pritchard out for a week or so. Obviously, Romeo Langford is out as well. So, Larbird, with Smart out, you know, over the next couple of weeks, two or three weeks, who do you think is going to be the, the starting lineup for the Celtics going forward? Well, clearly it's going to be the player that everyone wants it to be, uh, Jeff Teague. <laughs> it's going to be Jeff Teague, probably. Uh, I, I, I made a comment in that thread, and then I realized the top comment was my comment. I want it to be Aaron Neesmith. <laughs> like, just put him out yeah. there. Let's, come on, trial by fire. Let's make it happen. I agree. That's uh, the 2K solution, right? Just throw him out there, right, see what happens. Just do it. Yeah, just increase his threes, man. Just keep throwing them ball until he starts making them. It's going to happen. <laughs> um, it's hard to say. Maybe we go back to a double big. You know, Maybe we'll have a triple big lineup. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, you can never count out Brad to have something that's going to be completely uh, unexpected. But it's probably just going to be Teague. <laughs> yeah, which is terrifying. Uh, and, I, you know, it's so crazy. Like, yeah, at the beginning of the season, once they, they made the trade or the rather the signing of Jeff T, you know, those reports of like the <laughs> Brad Stevens has always, always coveted Jeff Teague over all these years, like including up until now, which is bizarre given his, his stint in Minnesota. I just surely we can all hope that he's kind of having this realization along with the rest of us that like the guy is well over the hill and is only playable in, in spot minutes if, if that. Um, I don't know, like, do, do you really think that Jeff Teague is going to actually partake in the starting lineup going forward for the <laughs> well, next two weeks? Well, I mean, it, it, maybe it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be my top choice, but I just think that they, uh, Brad seems to lead towards um, giving vets that kind of role. It's, it really is yeah. interesting because I, I, we're still kind of trying to figure out what happens when Kemba is 100%. Does that mean that he's going to permanently start next to Smart? Or are we going to move Smart back into a reserve uh, guard role like he had for you know the bulk of last year? And this is something I haven't done a lot of research on about whether or not um, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown play better. So you know Brown can play shooting guard, small forward. Uh, Tatum can play small forward, you know, power forward. It doesn't make much of a difference in, in terms of their um, their success if they're playing one position or another that's something i haven't like looked at the plus minus uh you know different lineup configurations to determine it should have done that beforehand but (laughs) i do wonder if that uh influences it if it's like we really should put another guard next to kemba or do we just slide over brown into shooting guard and then look to bring in someone like grant williams or semi shemi those would be the two guys that i think would be most likely to step into a starting lineup unless yeah Brad, Brad grows some balls and just puts Neesmith out there, which he should totally do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Neesmith is, you know, it's, it's theoretically the right choice, right? And that, you know, if you have got Neesmith out there with Kemba, who also in theory should be ramping up to his previous form, Jalen Brown, Tatum, who are awesome perimeter shooters, and, and Tice, who has been great from spot up three, you know, in the last five games or so. In theory, that would generate a lot of open shots for, for Neesmith. Um, but also, in theory, he should have been able to hit all the open shots he's had so far this season, and he, and he really hasn't. 
So I think that that sways Brad Stevens' decision a little bit. I feel like maybe with that said, the more logical choice is Shemi Ojale, which makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense from a defensive perspective. He's really increased his three-point percentage, you know, as of the beginning of this season and has kind of earned it a little bit. And, you know, if you think about locker room chemistry and things like that, you can see that sort of rattling Shammy a little bit if they just go ahead and award that new starting position to to Neesmith. Um, so I feel like maybe Shammy's a little bit more deserved in that sense. But, um, you know, we're going to see tomorrow, right? Yeah, like and, the- and Grant Williams is a good candidate, too. He started four games for us this season, and he's sure. shooting 41% from three. I mean, on, on less uh, shy attempts than, than Shammy. But, but yeah, I, I would I would think it probably comes down to Teague, Shammy, or... Um, or, you know, maybe anyone else on the roster. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or anyone else. Yeah, anyone. if it's Teague, God help us. Taco Fall. Gotta... <laughs> Suddenly Taco Fall is starting. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, start him at the two. Honestly, anyone but Jeff T, right? Like, I don't know. It's actually, this could be a very revealing stretch in terms of where Brad Stevens is at with his idea of Jeff Teague and whether or not he's sort of come to and and had a realization and epiphany if you will as to who jeff teague is nowadays in, in 2021 so uh we'll see the game's tomorrow so we're gonna find out we're gonna move on to kemba walker and wow there's a lot going on with kemba walker on celtics reddit and on twitter and everywhere i'm gonna start with a couple of comments from the next day thread this is the the thread the day after the lakers game so user Beamslock writes, some of you really need to chill. <laughs> this is coming after a lot of Kemba crossfire. Kemba hasn't been great so far this season and criticism is warranted. However, the vitriol and hate that some of you display is pretty disgusting. Please calm down. And then in reply to that, user Traditional Lies writes, I like Kemba as a person. I've followed him <laughs> since college. The eye test says that he does not fit with uh, the Jays or Smart at all. He can't score readily enough to warrant a lack of defense. Uh, in fact, there's been so many posts about Kemba in the last 36 hours on Celtics Reddit, Twitter, and otherwise. Um, so rather than us just spitball about Kemba, I'm just going to rattle off some of these posts and La Bird, we want your quick-ish reactions to them. Like, feel free to go in deep on any of these, but um, we've, sure. we've got about sort of six or seven of these, so we're going to go through them pretty quickly. So the first one is by user Taco the Great Third, who writes, do you think... We should trade Kemba. This post, I should say, is downvoted to zero. Um, Laba, do you think we should trade Kemba? <laughs> so this is tough. I'm gonna I'm gonna respond to all of these, but let's just say that I have I have uh, maybe three takes on this that all sound conflicting. But <laughs> off the bat, to that one, I've felt like we should be considering trading him for you know even before I even knew that he had issues with his knees and he was still playing at All Star level. And the reason is not because of his performance. I think he's a great player. It's not because of his personality. I think he's an awesome fit. It's more just about uh, looking at what this roster should be around Brown and Tatum. Those are the guys that have should be our primary ball handlers at this point and our, and our creators. And so what is an ideal fit next to them? So, um, yeah, I mean, I could go a little bit deeper into that, but I want to hear some of the, more, some of the other questions. <laughs> Sure. Well, just for the record, the the votes currently, the, the no's have it 190 to 128. Uh, the majority of the voters so far don't want to trade Kemba Walker, um, which is fair enough. So the next post is by PP is King. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we just can't trade Kemba Walker at the moment. And they go on to say, even if there was a trade on the table, it would be a salary dump type deal, including assets needed for us to use the TPE. 
Uh, I do think we should consider trading him for the right return, but that's just not possible right now. So bringing Campbell Walker down and acting like he's a bum makes us look like a piece of shit fan base <laughs> that treats its players horribly. Larbert, your thoughts? So maybe this is the alternate uh, take that I have on this that sounds conflicting, but <laughs> I think we're overreacting. I think Kemba's going to be fine. I mean, uh, Joe has, on our podcast would strongly disagree with me, so it's too bad he's not in here. But I think he's going to be fine. I think it's early. He's just still rounding into form. Um, his shot's not great, but the main thing is we haven't heard anything about him uh, experiencing any pain or soreness. And maybe he is, and we're just not hearing about it. But mm-hmm. mostly I just think that he's just rusty. It's probably just getting his legs under him, um, getting used to the flow of the game. He's still on a minutes restriction, and it happens, man. You have bad games. Maybe he'll come out tomorrow and and shoot lights out, and everyone will be saying, "Oh my God, how could you possibly consider trading Kemba? He's a star." I mean, it's that's just the nature of of being a fan of any team. Um, we're reactionary, and right now, because he's coming off a bad game against the Lakers, everyone's acting like he's complete trash. Uh, give him a couple weeks, and if he's playing well, I, I think you could probably get something for him. I, who wouldn't want an all-star i mean we, we talked about this where it's like you know gordon hayward got 120 million and people were acting like his career was over obviously teams out there will value your players in a different way and uh he doesn't have a ton of years left on his contract he's not he's not like he's coming off of a, a catastrophic injury where he's like you know his foot fell off or something he is dealing with knee you know issues but but overall, he's still a great player, and there's teams out there that need point guards, so I think you probably could get something for him, and not just a pure salary dump. Sorry, yeah, I'm supposed I, to give you quick answers, you know? No, this whole... no, it's relatively <laughs> quick. Yeah, and look, there's only two of us on the pod tonight, so uh, we, we can afford the, the longer takes. That's good. Well, let's move on to a post by user DeadAssMF, who writes, why I think the Celtics should trade Kemba Walker. He goes on to write, because some of you bum-ass fans don't deserve him. <laughs> I obviously know this isn't all of you, but holy fuck, the negativity of a lot of Celtics fans is incredibly jarring. Uh, I'm not going to read the rest of the post, the, the rest of the post, but you, you get the gist. Um, so maybe, La Bird, your thoughts on like the hysteria on, on Celtics Reddit and Twitter with regards to Kemba Walker at the moment. Yeah, I mean, we see you, you can recognize it with any player when they perform poorly. You know, even Jason Tatum will have a bad game and people will act like he's trash again. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. It's just like, yeah, obviously we have reasons to be concerned about Kemba's, um, you know, health, um, whether or not that tendonitis is going to be a chronic thing. But yeah, that, you know, that magical stem cell uh, injection that's supposed to have <laughs> built up cartilage. So maybe he's fine. I just still think you give him, give him time. It's going to take a little time. I mean, I remember, I remember... Kyrie coming back and having a game like that and people were like, oh my God, Kyrie's done. Yeah. Maybe it's a bad example to bring up Kyrie, but, but I mean, the, the point I'm trying to make is, you know, you know, Kyrie ended up being an all, all NBA player that year. And, and it's the same thing. Like just give Kemba a little time. Should be fine. I do think fans are reactionary. It's just the nature of it. Um, they're going to overreact to things. That's how it is. Yeah. That's part of the, the passion of fandom, right? So the only thing I would add to that is there's, there's no right or wrong answers here, right? Like there's, there's no right or wrong opinions. It's just how we feel in our pursuit of, of fandom and, and passion and, and love for this team, right? And, you know, I, I got in a Twitter exchange today where like all, all I kind of did was, was post some hypotheticals about, you know, if we, if we were to consider trading Kemba Walker, would his trade value be higher now than it would be down the line or vice versa? And there are some responses like, Basically, you know, not verbatim, but how dare you? It would be stupid to trade Kemba. The optics would be bad. It's like, come on, dude. I'm not even 
saying we should trade Kemba. I love Kemba Walker, but I'm just talking hypotheticals and options, and, and people kind of lose their minds, which is fine. The point is to say that it's all good. You know, like we're, we're just talking about options, right? We're just spitballing here. We're going to move on. This is a post by user Jason Tatum for MVP, who writes the Campbell Walker slander needs to stop in capital letters. Uh, they go on to say, yes, I agree. Kemba shot poorly yesterday in the Lakers game and probably cost us the game, but he's still our guy. Kemba bleeds green and gives it his all every time he steps on the court. I'm proud. He's a Celtic. Uh, I don't know how I expect you to react to this one, La Bird, based on the posts we've talked about so far, but anything to add to this at all? Are Celtics Reddit fans okay to continue slandering Kemba Walker? I wouldn't say slandering. I, I do think there's more to the idea that, and again, this is why it seems like I'm maybe uh, playing both sides, because I've been on board with the idea of trading Kemba for a right return for a while. And you know, we, you and I had arguments about this, or not arguments, but we had debates about this about whether or not gentlemanly discussions, would, yeah, <laughs> whether or not that would just like the whole idea that it would kill our ability to sign free agents. And I just don't, I don't agree. I just don't believe that's true. I think, and I, and that's why I, I wrote this larger post on on Reddit where it's like, this is very much where we are right now. It's very much where we would have been had we kept Isaiah and not traded him after that great, amazing All NBA season he had. Yeah. Because Isaiah would have showed up and he would have played poorly because he played poorly in um, Cleveland and Los Angeles that year. And the fan base would have turned on him and, and they would Denver. have said, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. He moved around quite a bit. But yeah, I mean, listen, I love Isaiah, but the, the, the fans would have turned on him very quickly within the first five or six games. He played about 30 games that year and they were all pretty bad. So the fans would have turned on him and then they would have said, get rid of him, get rid of him. And you know what? We wouldn't have got a Kyrie Irving in return. We would have got nothing. So yeah, that's. Part of my, my feelings is that I've been on board with trading him, um, and it's more about fit. Uh, I don't think that he's a bad player. I do think that he might end up proving all of us wrong and coming out and being an, uh, an amazing third option. But for all the reasons that the... the, the so it's complicated, because I, I do think there's people who are saying we should trade him because he's not an ideal uh, third option. It should be someone who can spread the floor and is a great as a kickout option. And also someone who's very strong defensively. This is all the stuff I was saying last year before anyone wanted to trade him. <laughs> so I, I agree with that. I agree with that whole sentiment. Um, and I don't agree with the idea that he's washed up. I had a, a thought about this <clears throat> that I can share. Please. It was some comment that I, I made and it feels again, we're uh, maybe this is our Homer episode. Cause I have been saying a lot of things that seem very Homerish, but I was thinking about, uh, <laughs> I was thinking about if, uh, the funny thing is I thought I had this thought when we signed Tristan Thompson, cause they were saying he was our poor man's Dennis Rodman. And I'm like, you know what? It almost like we are trying to build this team in the image of the 96 bulls. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but listen, Jordan Pippen, great, amazing players, the greatest player of all time, potentially alongside Pippen, who was awesome as well. But it almost is like a, a, a poor man's version of that. And it's similar to what the Clippers are doing where they have. Kawhi and they have George. We have Tatum and Brown. Those are our two guys. And then you surround them. For us, you know, the idea of bringing in a Tristan Thompson, who's like our poor man's Rodman, makes sense. You know, maybe Tice is our Luke Longley. Maybe Peyton Pritchard is our Steve Kerr off the bench. You know, all that makes sense. And then, you know, maybe Marcus Smart is our Ron Harper. But then the, the main <laughs> question is would you have wanted on the 96 Bulls, would you have wanted another um, ball dominant guard who plays poor defense? Or does it make more sense to have like a Ku coach, someone who's out there who solid overall player <laughs> spreads the floor. And that's, that's kind of when that's been my thought about the Kemba thing all along. It's like, if you have these two all NBA guys, 
would I rather have a Kemba or would I have a, rather have a Kukoch type guy? And, and that's why I can't disagree with the guys who are saying that we should consider trading him. But I do disagree with the guys who are saying that his, he's done because it doesn't necessarily mean he's bad. It's just maybe not the greatest fit right now. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's almost like duos are the new trios, right? Like it seems to be sort of an echoing sentiment around the league with some of the, the comps you use there. You, know, you, you mentioned Kawhi and, and Paul George, and obviously there's LeBron and AD. Um, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head, like <laughs> who's the, the Kemba Walker equivalent for, for MJ and Scotty there in the 90s? Like if you added like Isaiah Ryder or, or like Mario Ellie or someone right. like that to the Bulls uh, 96 team, like are they impactful? Probably not. And not necessarily, right? Like, do you want to take the ball out of Michael Jordan out of his hands? No, probably not. You probably want your best player to have it. And that's not to say that I'm saying Jason Tatum is on the level of a Jordan or Jalen Brown's on the level of a Jordan. But it is kind of like a, a small version of that. Like <laughs> At least 50% you know, of listeners are furious <laughs> at this moment. <laughs> yeah, at least. <laughs> Which is fine. But it's like the same, it's the same thing I was saying. Like two years ago, we had 11 guys. Last year, we had four guys. Now we have uh, two guys. That makes sense. It's just about... Who do you surround him with? And um, I'm not sure if a ball dominant guard is the best option there. Yeah. So that begs the question, uh, who was our Tony Kukoc? And we're going to get to that in a segment or two's time. Continuing with with the Campbell Walker's post. So this is posted by agitated phrase. Campbell Walker's stats over the last calendar year. So January 30th, 2020 to August 11th, 2020, a 16 game stretch. He stats 15.5 points per game on 51.6 true shooting. Then, 2020 NBA playoffs round one, so four games. 24.3 points per game on 62% true shooting. The rest of the 2020 NBA playoffs, 13 games. 18.2 points per game on 55% true shooting. And now the 2021 NBA regular season, six games, 14.3 points per game on 482 percent true shooting uh, and he goes on to say to everyone who keeps saying Kemba's only been back for six games of course he's struggling Kemba has been horrible <laughs> for the past uh, year outside of a one four game stretch in the playoffs do you think there's any substance to that La Bird or is this just the natural swing of things should we expect an upward swing soon with, with Kemba's stats here I mean I, I that's hard because I think Kemba is a legitimate all-star and he he made major improvements um, later in his career on Charlotte, and we saw that last year as well. But he is a career forty two percent shooter, and then from three, he's a career you know thirty five percent shooter. Um, so I mean, if you're looking at his shooting percentages right now, which aren't great, I don't know if that's like it's almost like I kind of expected that it was it, you know I, he's not the most efficient player in the world. He's not the most efficient shooter. So I'm not expecting him to come out of the gate ever and shoot, you know, 50% from the field and, you know, 44% from three. He's never really done that. He's never, he's never shot over 40% from three in his career. That's not who he is. He's great at getting to the line. Um, He's great at attacking the basket. He's, he's got strengths and he's still probably getting rounding into shape right now. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's almost like I'm trying to say that he's overrated, but (laughs) it kind of, he kind of was, he kind of was always a little bit overrated. Like he, he, I, I, I thought he was like 70% of what Kyrie was, but you get none of the drama, which evens it out, which is great. And that's what we needed at the time. I mean, that's what we needed. We needed someone who's going to step into that role. But now with the the ascension of Tatum and Brown as like legitimate superstar level, you know, not quite superstar, but all NBA level talents, that's not necessarily what you, what you want. So, yeah. 
Yeah, and I feel like you kind of touched on it there, but this user's not factoring in like the correlation of of the downward trend of Kemba's stats and the upward trend of the Jays. And totally. it's interesting you, you mentioned the the curry the curry everything there like you're bringing Kemba Walker and yes you know you could factor in age and and career length so far but there has to be some contribution as far as Kemba's presence on the team chemistry wise and the upward trend in in the Jays contribution and stats and overall quality as as players and, and people it seems um so I, you could say that there's there's been a lot of impact and a lot of benefit and contribution from Kemba just in his presence on the team overall. So I don't know. I wouldn't read in too much to the, 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 the downward trend of his stats there because I think he's contributing to a lot more of, of the success of other components of the team. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can see that. When he first showed up um, in Boston and where he was supposed to be essentially taking Kyrie's role, he came out of the, you know, out of the gate taking about 19, 20 shots per night, which is what Kyrie did. And then over the course of the season, by the end of the season, you know, he was taking, I think, post-All-Star, he averaged about 11.6 shots per game, which makes sense. I mean, we had all these other guys stepping up. Hayward was actually greatly improved. We had Kemba, uh, Tatum and Brown greatly improved. So, yeah, I mean, I do think you're right, totally right, that that's the reason for that regression in stats, is that we had other guys who were better who were stepping, stepping up and made more sense to have the ball in their hands. Yeah, and, and hopefully as well, that's indicative of his Kemba's ability to uh, an acceptance of of taking a lesser role and being the the third quote unquote star on this team, and you know taking a backseat to the Jays. You know, statistically he did it. You know, like you said, Larbert, towards the end of last season. Hopefully he can settle. You know, back into that role again, and we, we can start to find some traction and identity as a as a team and in a roster. Um, one more post on Kemba. There's been so many. Uh, um, this is the last one that I found today, posted by user. My PP is so big. Uh, I'm sorry, I had to say that out loud. Uh, uh, they wrote Kenna, which I think is Kemba autocorrected. Kemba would be a better fit coming off the bench. They go on to say, "Let's start. Let the J start and be the cooks in the kitchen." They say Kenna again. This is brutal. It must have been posted on their phone. <laughs> Kemba should be the bench point guard who can score when the second team. Needs points. I don't expect you to spend a lot of time on this one, Bird, but uh, thoughts no, on, I just on think, I just think it's bench. funny. Because, yeah, I just think it's funny that I mean, it's kind of it's pretty common where I'll have, have takes that seem flaming hot and ridiculous, yeah. and then a year later, they become trending. Uh, that was my take last year. I was like, <laughs> I kind of want to have... I mean, I, just, yeah. I, I mentioned multiple times, I'm like, you, you have a guy who's making over $30 million. It doesn't really make sense to bring him off the bench from a financial perspective, but I was really in favor of the Marcus Smart uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, and then Tice lineup. I'd like the idea of having those five and then Kemba off the bench as a microwave. I was like, that might be interesting to try it. And of course, I mean, the, the idea of signing a star and then bringing him off the bench is, is met with a lot of disdain. But I, I don't know. I think it'd be worth to try it right now. But unfortunately, right now, we don't have a, a four all-star team. So we don't have a Gordon Hayward. We don't have all these other guys who makes... We're still trying to figure out who's going to start next to Kemba with him in the lineup. So as of right now, I wouldn't say... For now, at least, it doesn't make any sense to bring Kemba off the bench because then who are you starting? Um, you know, exactly. You're start Pritch- Pritchard's out right now. You're going to start Tremont Waters, Tremont Waters or something. I mean, it would make no sense. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. User 
to Phantom Menace Laika writes, can we spell the guy's name right, please? Like, it's sort of a bare minimum. <laughs> he spelled it Kenna twice in the, in this one post. So I'm, I'm going to, you know, throw out some forgiveness there, assuming that that's like some sort of mobile platform auto correction. Maybe they wrote of, it while they were driving or something like that. I don't know. But yeah, A lot of new PP crazy. accounts, you know? A lot of people love the Paul Pierce. Oh, uh, Brayton Pritchard. A lot yeah. of new PP accounts, though. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Well, it's certainly, it's not like a 15-year-old PP is so big account, so clearly there's some <laughs> Peyton Pritchard fandom there. Uh, let's move on to... I've, I've listed the segment as potential trades. It doesn't have to be potential trades. It could be trade rumors or um, you take it how you will. But let's start with the fact that Aaron Gordon out with a severe left ankle sprain. Um, Labo, does this finally force the Magic to blow it up? I know they've got some pieces there that you're interested in. Uh, does this... Does this change things as far as what you expect from Danny Ainge, the TPE, and and the Magic's involvement? Yeah, a lot of people have brought them up as a potential trade uh, partner, either through the TPE. Um, I mean, we talked about it also just like spitballing ideas of who would go after Kemba. They don't really have a starting point guard. But yeah, if they're rebuilding, then I don't know why they'd really want Kemba. So there's a couple guys in that team. Evan Fournier, it's interesting. Uh, Terrence Ross has an interesting uh, bench piece. You could probably get both of those guys, and I think you could get both of those guys and still be under a TP. I haven't looked at their contracts for a bit, but yeah, I mean, I think they are an interesting trade partner. I actually, how long is Gordon supposed to be out for? Did did they mention that? Uh, up to six weeks, I believe. Okay, yeah, I mean, that's probably gonna. I mean, I think they're already out of the playoff picture. They're fucked. They're yeah, they're yeah. <laughs> absolutely fucked. Yeah, to put it professionally. Sorry, there's, go on. There's some interesting. <laughs> yeah, there's interesting pieces there. Lots of interesting pieces, like even like. Um, Mo Bamba, if we didn't have Time Lord, I'd be interested in trying to buy low on him. That's an mm-hmm. interesting player, but yeah, they're a yeah they're a team that has come up. I guess the the main um, the main hope is I guess the the long shot is if they try to move Vucevic, who's thirty years old now. Um, great player. We talked about him last last podcast, but would they at some point just say fuck it? Let's just get some picks and let's get some pieces and we're never gonna we're never gonna win a title with this guy why why hold on to a guy in his 30s and get a few more years out of him so i mean they i guess they could either um they could either go after kemba and try to have those two paired together and and go for something what they would go for i have no idea or maybe it makes more sense to just trade busevic and try to get some young pieces yeah i i'm kind of torn on on busevic because he's he's kind of like an enhanced Tice in a sense and and one thing we talked about in terms of the benefit of Tice last week is that you know, no one can guard Joel Embiid but Tice can at least stretch the floor and bring him out of the paint and maybe fatigue him a little bit and and Vucevic is like the ultimate version of of that big man archetype uh you know pretty good percentage from from 3 obviously a very good player and and the the, the top contributor and scorer for for the Magic um I just worry about how much we'd have to give up for him in terms of not only picks um, chipping way into our TPE and, and potentially young talent as well. I, I just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not offering an alternative here, but do, do you, do you worry at all that with Vucevic that we'd be giving up too much in that potential trade? Well, I got to admit that uh, I'll, I'll admit up front that my, my uh, fandom of the rest of the league is much much smaller than my fandom of the Celtics, so I don't spend a whole lot of time <laughs> watching so much time these guys very clearly. <laughs> you know, there are some podcasters out there who know the team, you know, the whole league in, you know, intimately, and that's not me. I'm I'm 
fully into invested in the Celtics. So I haven't watched them too much, but I did think it was interesting. I was looking at, um, because we were talking about Andre Drummond a couple weeks ago and how, you know, some fans wanted a big guy just to kind of deal with the Joel Embiid's of the world. But if you looked at his stats and uh, matchups with Embiid, Drummond was dominated by Embiid. I thought it was interesting looking at Vucevic versus Embiid. I looked at that and I was like, wow, we, you know, if you're just going off of that, it almost like they played each other pretty even. And almost like Vucevic actually, in those games, at least if you're just going off the stats, Embiid didn't really have amazing games against him. I don't, there's, and then again, I don't know if there's anything much to that because I haven't really watched him defensively against Embiid. I'm not watching those games. But um, yeah, it, it's probably a long shot. But if Orlando is blowing it up, I don't know why they would keep him. He's in his 30s now. What's the point? What are you What are you trying to accomplish? Yeah, well, the other players' names that come up pretty frequently in, in Magic Talks, and especially now with this injury, uh, Evan Fournier and Terrence Ross. Do, yep. you, do you see any added incentive for Danny Ainge to, to trade for those guys or at least make a call? I think they're totally... I kind of mentioned them a second ago, but yeah, I think I think Fournier is a perfect example of someone you could probably get right now with a TPE. He's on the final year of his deal. I seriously doubt he's staying there long term. There was already rumors about them shopping him and that they don't expect to keep him. I think he's a perfect example of someone who you could add, could upgrade this team. But again, I almost feel like the team is still trying to figure... The Celtics are still trying to figure out what their best option is. Yeah, um, it is a kind of a bummer because I, I this is, is going to sound stupid, but Romeo Langford, I, I really curious what he is. You know, I, I, we haven't seen him, and if Romeo is that guy that could step in and play a key role, then do you really want to have a forty A? I mean, does he make sense? Who's again? That sounds stupid because we haven't seen him at all. But it's there's still question marks about us, um, and so the next month or so is where we hope hope that at least spend the next four or five weeks trying to figure out what what those uh, answers are and then i, I the the fourniers of the world are still probably going to be available so you don't have to jump at a at a harrison barnes or a fournier yet yeah his value is static whereas yeah it's constantly shifting or it stands to shift with romeo langford um any idea when he's coming back because i know that the trade deadline is the 25th of march and i feel like Langford is due back before then, and you know perhaps Leah, we we can showcase him a little bit to you know not to uh, just to ourselves but to other teams as well before that deadline you know passes. Do you know when he's due back at all? There was a thread asking for an update, and nobody really knows right now. Um, the only thing I saw was that yeah, I think he was supposed to be coming back in the early part of February, but there right. hasn't been any um, there hasn't been any kind of news about him. Usually, you'll see something where they say he's started practicing with the team. And then when you see that, you know that he's around the corner. We haven't seen that yet. So Mm. unfortunately, it seems like we might be waiting for a little bit longer. Yeah. Okay. Well, what about this? Shams Sharania posted sources. Uh, The Pelicans are focusing on Northeast teams. We're part of an exclusive club here. So the 76ers, the Nets, (laughs) the Celtics as potential trade destinations for 15-year, 36-year-old veteran JJ Redick. Thoughts on this? Is he a worthwhile acquisition for the Seas? He's always been a really great player, and um, yeah, this is kind of similar to that. When in the offseason, I was talking about it would be great to surround Tatum and Brown with elite three-point shooters, and the two guys that I was uh, that I mentioned that I didn't think were potentially movable were JJ Redick and uh, Seth uh, Seth Curry, and Seth Curry's already been traded. He's making a huge impact on the Suns uh, on the Sixers. 
and now we're seeing Reddick is probably going to be uh, moved as well. But unfortunately, Reddick has not looked good at all this year. He's yeah. not shot well. And the more unfortunate thing is his contract. I think he makes about, is he making 12 million this year? 13 million. 13, Which is yeah. exactly 11 million more than Wayne Ellington. Just putting that out there. <laughs> Sorry. So on. I guess you could, I guess you could use a TPE to get him. Uh, again, another probably easy option of acquiring him with a, a late first or something. Yeah. But uh, I don't love it. You know, I don't, I honestly don't love it because he's not, he's not playing that great. He is 36 and, um, Unless he's, unless you're hoping that he's going to show up and, and start shooting lights out again. I don't know if guard is really the main thing we need right now. I almost feel like we need another 3 and D type player. Yeah, and, completely uh, agree. Yeah. 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 Uh, so uh, with that said, like, have you, have you mentally, and we talk about this every week, but have you mentally pivoted at all in, in terms of how you'd like to see the TP used? Are there, you know, because the landscape is shifting constantly. Are there any new player names that have come up or player names that we've discussed already that have kind of been reiterated in your mind as someone that you'd really like to, to go after with this TPE? Well, it's going to be sad to say, but not really. I mean, <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> There's, there's no one that's really stood out yet that I'm like, oh, geez, we have to go all in. I still think this is a decision that Ainge probably makes closer to a trade led deadline, if not just waiting all the way until next offseason. Because, um, I mean, it, it does that. It still has a lot of power in next offseason because I think with the timing of it, you're actually able to use it during draft time and everything because of how, when we actually use it. But, but yes, yeah, so, so far, nothing. I mean, I think they're all intriguing names, but they're all the same intriguing names that we probably outlined before the season started. <laughs> They're all the same guys. You're talking about Harrison Barnes and the, you know, the Fournier's of the world and, um, you know, Buddy Heald, maybe he's an option. Like there's all sorts of guys that we talked about that are still probably the same, same dudes that we might consider. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a post to that effect by user lightning fast 31, who writes, uh, who do y'all want to improve this team? I'm not going to read the full post, but it's there on Celtics Reddit. I highly recommend checking it out because the comment section, as well as Lightning Fast's um, you know, own propositions, so, uh, very intriguing. But there is one user, MLS analyst, who writes, we should use the Cantor trader player exception. So not even the Hayward trader player exception on, on Wayne Ellington or, or Ben McLemore, both veteran shooters. Uh, I think that's a really interesting uh, proposition in that we're we're not even chipping into our, our and obviously we can't combine those two TPEs either. So it's I don't know it's yeah. one one choice doesn't impact the other. But I think getting either one of those guys, particularly from from Detroit, who like you know they're not making the play in tournament, they're not making anything. So really, the, they've yep. got an incentive to to trade away these guys for you know Ellington's on a vet minimum. Trade him away for picks. We can make a better use of him. I, th- I feel like it's a win-win situation there. So I'm very, very high on MLS analysts' suggestion there. I always like Ben McLemore too. Do yeah. you, off the top of your head, do you know what he's making? Uh, I can find out very quickly. Uh, thanks to Google, Ben McLemore <laughs> contract. Uh, he is making. He's on a two-year, four-point-three million dollar contract. So he's averaging yeah, always- two point one five million per year. He's one of those guys that I felt like he had so much potential and didn't quite get there. And maybe had he not been drafted by the Kings and went to a different team like the Celtics, maybe he would have got there. Mm-hmm. At this point, you know, he is just what he is, which is a solid role player shooter. I like him. The only thing I would caution is that um, if you do do that, you're then you're you're limiting even more so how much space you have under our hard cap, which I think is around twenty. 
three million, twenty-two million. Yeah. So if point. you bring in a player like that, then it makes it even more challenging to go after a, a big name with that full big daddy uh, TPE that we have. But uh, it's fair to mention that you know if we're moving Thompson in the deal and Teague in the deal, I mean that's ten million that we can ship out as part of his, uh, a deal. And and huh, please maybe God. that doesn't matter so much. <laughs> yeah, right. So maybe that doesn't matter that so much. That's insanely right. good. <laughs> right. Uh, amazing. And then you know Thompson's gone. Grant Williams is our, our third string center i'm completely okay with that um wow i'm fantasizing now love bird that's uh it's <laughs> amazing um look we're almost ready to wrap this one up here we're just going to get to in terms of the week ahead a post by user acat 20 who writes how will who asks rather how will the Celtics go in this five game road trip and they've they've surveyed the community on what our record will be on this trip so just to give you an idea love bird we've got golden state on tuesday Sacramento the day after on Wednesday, Clippers on Friday, the Suns on Sunday, funnily enough, and Utah on Tuesday, who have been great. Um, that's five games in eight days and no Marcus Smart. So record-wise, out of those five games, how do you predict the Celtics doing in this upcoming stretch? We're going to win them all. <laughs> I don't know. Five and oh. um, it's, <laughs> probably, it's probably going to be hit and miss, I would think. Um, yeah, that, yeah that's- sorry. I uh, I'll be honest, as you were talking, I was I was just thinking, <laughs> I didn't get all the names because I was thinking, is there anyone else that I haven't mentioned? Um, this is random. Again, it's just it's our previous conversation we're just having. Uh, I wonder, how do you feel about Davis Bertrands? Because, you know, the Wizards are completely imploding. He makes about $16 million. Is that someone you're interested in or is that not really uh, something that intrigues you? Yes. I mean, he hasn't been... I mean, no one on the on the Wizards, aside from Brad Beal, has been particularly good this year. But Bertans at 16 mil, you know, it's a huge chunk of the TPE, which we could use in the offseason. I don't know. Like, I just don't see that moving the needle as far as, okay, that's going to move us from a, you know, second, maybe third round exit team to a, a finals team, which is what we're looking for. Um, right. But then again, the, the TPE does have an expiry date and it comes down to who's available. And if... Bertans is the best player available, then obviously we're okay with it, right? So, you know, he's a bigger yep. guy. He can play a stretch four. He obviously is a knockdown three-point shooter, and we're looking for kick-out options for the Jays and for Kemba. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm talking myself into it. I don't know. I, I don't <laughs> mind it. All right, just just you know, that gave me enough time to look up the schedule again because I wasn't listening to you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, it's mutually Clippers beneficial. are going to be tough. <laughs> Clippers, <laughs> I mean, uh, we I think maybe we go three and two in those games. Honestly, um, mm, there's some tough teams. Clippers can probably beat us, but um, and and a Jazz are going to be tough, and the Warriors are still very tough. But I think we can go three and two in those games. Yeah, look, I got to tell you, I, I think we're going to have a, a podcast or two in before this happens, but we do have a game against the Denver Nuggets coming up. And look, if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you'll know my best mate Dice is a huge, huge Nuggets fan. Uh, even to today, he's like messaging me about Jokic, how he's the best, you know, fuck Jason Tatum, fuck Jalen Brown. Why would you care about those guys when we've got a guy like Nikola Jokic out there? These are the kinds of messages I'm receiving on a daily basis. I Ugh. I don't know. I don't know why I bring this up. I just want the people to know that this is what I'm copying on a, on a day-to-day basis. And, and the anxiety is starting to build within me uh, with regards to this Nuggets game. So um, if there's one thing how I can did, ask how of the did listeners... He become- 
How did you become a, a Nugget? He's an Australian as well. Yeah, he just happens yeah. to be a Nuggets fan. Yeah, so uh, I guess he started following the NBA in like 2008 when Allen Iverson and Carmelo Anthony were both Nuggets. And, you know, that was a pretty enticing okay. time to, to join the Nuggets gotcha. bandwagon. And he's he's been on them right. ever since. So, um, yeah, he certainly wasn't a Dikembe Mutombo fan back in the 90s. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, so if I'm asking one thing of the of the people out there, it's just to like put out your like your positive energy now. <laughs> start to to build some momentum there, such that we win this game. Because um, you know my life uh, in terms of it's worth continuing to live will significantly decrease if the Nuggets beat us in this game. Uh, I'm not. Um, that's not hyperbole. Anyway, the back. To- <laughs> I just want to say real quick that my uh, my my cousin Brendan, he lives in you know lifelong lived in Lynn, Massachusetts, his entire life, still lives there. And inexplicably, for some reason, he grew up a huge, um, a huge San Antonio Spurs fan. It never made sense to me. I'm like, everyone else in the family is huge Celtics fans. And he just grew up loving David Robinson and then loving Tim Duncan. And I'm like, how the hell did you end up being a huge Spurs fan? And then I finally like was looking through a photo album and I saw this photo of us playing on an old, um, it was like an old like hoop when we were probably like two or three. It's like kids little hoop that they gave us with like a bright pink Spurs ball and David david robinson's face on the backboard and i'm like that's it that's it it. he grew up playing with this damn (laughs) basketball hoop so i have a nephew now uh through through marriage and uh i'm trying to brainwash him into being a celtic fan by uh, getting him a hoop that's all celtic stuff because he lives in seattle so i'm just like we gotta put the stickers of celtics on there he's gotta be growing you know he's better better be growing a celtics fan or else you know I'll be yeah. failing. Well, look, create him a, a Twitter account and enter him in the Jalen Brown jersey giveaway. Right. Maybe great. that's how we can sway him in, in this direction. That's uh, at Celtics Reddit Pod if you're in case you're listening still. Um, all right. So just to, to get back to the, the five-game road trip coming up there, the um, prevailing vote on that post by user ACAT20 is that the Celtics will go three and two, which I think without Marcus Smart, without Peyton Pritchard, uh, and with Kemba still rounding back into form, hopefully, probably a realistic take. Um, but I stand with you, Larbird, 5-0, and 0, right? That's that's how it's going to go. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yep. All right, that's going to do it for this one. We are planning to be back later this week after the Kings game, uh, depending on our availability and whatnot. But if not, we'll definitely see you at the usual time next week. I'm excited for the Celts to right the ship and correct the narrative this week. Uh, though a little nervous without Marcus Smart, so we'll see how that goes. Larbird33, love your work, sir. Thanks for all that you do. Talk to you soon. All right, bye GameStop. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) All right, right, folks. (laughs) Bye-bye. Until next time, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.